ओम नमो भगवते वासुदेवाय ओम नमो भगवते वासुदेवाय ओम नमो भगवते वासुदेवाय सो वी आर कंटिन्यूइंग आवर स्टडी ऑफ श्रीमद् भागवतम एंड वी आर कैंटो 6 चैप्टर 5 वर्स 20 And my apologies for getting the homework assignment out so late yesterday. I just got super busy, but uh, it is, it was there. And I hope you noticed that we are not going to cover chapter six. We just asked everyone to read chapter six on their own, since there's only one purport practically in the whole chapter, and it's describing a lot of the uh, um, personalities and their names, and of course, which is all purifying because it's in the Bhagavatam. but i asked you to read that on your own okay so instead we are going to well not instead but we're going to start with verse number 20 in text uh, in chapter 5 naramuni narada and we're just finishing uh the uh um hayashva's understanding of narada muni's somewhat uh, cryptic instructions narada muni had asked how one could ignorantly defy one's own father haryashas understood the meaning of this question one must accept the original instructions of the shastra according to vedic civilization one is offered a sacred thread as a sign of second birth one takes a second birth by dint of having received instructions in the shastra from a bona fide spiritual master therefore shastra scripture is the real father All the shastras instruct that one should end his material way of life. If one does not know the purpose of the father's orders, the shastra, he is ignorant. And that's why we're studying together, right? The words of a material father who endeavors to engage his son in material activities are not the real instructions of the father. And in the purport, Shri Prabhupada has a very um, kind of interfaith. <laughs> uh statements this is about the third or fourth fifth sentence down apart from the shastra of the vedic civilization which is the oldest of the world other shastras agree on this point for example in the buddhist shastras lord buddha advises that one achieve nirvana by giving up the materialistic way of life in the bible which is also shastra one should one will find the same advice one should cease materialistic life and return to the kingdom of god In any shastra one may examine especially the vedic shastra the same advice is given one should give up his materialistic life and return to his original spiritual life sankaracharya also propounds the same conclusion um so often shri the prabhupad would include the bible quran etc in in this understanding of shastra for example this is from the third canto of the shrimad bhagavatam materialistic persons are very interested in reading are very interested in reading such literature but when they are presented with genuine books of knowledge like shrimad bhagavatam bhagavad gita vishnu purana or other scriptures of the world such as the bible and quran they are not interested and from the seventh canto um well this is just in the word for word the word for word uh swadhyaya reading of transcendental literatures like bhagavad gita shrimad bhagavatam ramayana and mahabharata or for those not in vedic culture reading a bible or quran from the adi lila prabhupad writes that in our practical preaching work we meet many christians who talk about statements of the bible 
When we question whether God is limited or unlimited, Christian priests say that God is unlimited. But when we question why the unlimited God should have only one son and not unlimited sons, they are unable to answer. And finally, one, uh, one last one from Prabhupada's books. This is um, Srila Prabhupada is saying, there are Mahajans among the Christian saints. They include Christ, and in addition to Christ, so many others, St. Matthew, St. Thomas, and so forth. These Mahajanas are mentioned in the Bible. A Mahajana is one who strictly follows the original religion and knows things as they are. And that means he must be coming in the parampara, the system of disciplic succession. So Srila Prabhupada, sometimes, you know, he would, he would say things a little differently, but I, when I was looking into it, I found many, many times when Prabhupada is uh, including the, uh, the Shastra, um, including in the definition of Shastra, books like the Bible, the Buddhist, Buddhist texts, Quran, etc. And I thought I would just read one other thing, and this is from ISKCON. This is their statement on interfaith. And it says, in ISKCON, we consider love of the supreme personal God to be the highest form of religious expression. And we recognize and respect the expression in other theistic traditions. We respect the spiritual worth of paths of genuine self-realization and search for the absolute truth in which the concept of a personal deity is not explicit. Other communities and organizations advocating humanitarian, ethical, and moral standards are also valued as being beneficial to society. So not on the same level as spiritual, but beneficial. ISKCON views dialogue between its members and people of other faiths as an opportunity to listen to others, to develop mutual understanding and mutual trust, and to share our commitment and faith with others while respecting their commitment to their own faith. ISKCON recognizes that no one religion holds a monopoly on the truth and, re and revelation of God uh, or our relationship with God. ISKCON's members are encouraged to be respectful to people of faith from other traditions and to see the need for people of different faiths to work together for the benefit of society as a whole and for the glorification of God. ISKCON affirms the responsibility of each individual to develop his or her relationship with the Supreme Lord. So there you have it, our ecumenical uh, class for the day. <laughs> um, so some thoughts on, on, on this. Well, I'll, I'll mention one other thing. Diane Eck, who's a professor at Harvard, she started something called the plural, I can't pronounce it right, plural, plurality project. And she said that there's three different kinds of, um, of, uh, religious people. And, you know, obviously there's more, but, you know, she categorizes them as three. And the, um, one is the exclusivist. And they say that we are right and everyone else is wrong. Right. And I'm sure you probably have run into maybe even some devotees who say that, but certainly, they have run into some evangelical people who, who may say things like that. Then, then the second one is the inclusivist, that there are numerous bona fide ways to approach God, but I just find that, at least for me, my way is the best, at least for me. And then there's the pluralist that is more, is like, well, whatever, whatever path you take, it all leads to God. And it's a, yeah, like that. So, 
I, I, I will consider myself an inclusivist. Um, probably most devotees do, although there's some devotees who are exclusivists. I don't, I don't think there's too many that are just yato uh, uh, mat as many paths as many ways because we we all know that some paths are are just made up things in somebody's mind and 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 don't really pass as a bona fide spiritual uh, path. So some thoughts on this point. And uh, uh, Andy has put a description of the South Korean flag there. <laughs> yeah. Um, apparently you have to allow the picture to actually show, but it's uploaded. I see it. Oh, I don't see it. I just see it. Okay, you can see it? At the link, with the link, yes. Yeah, if you click that link, but there should be a picture above that in the chat. Oh, I don't see that, yeah. Yeah. But anyway... Um, well, let me just recount this because so I won't say other things that are even longer and more involved. But I, I had a peculiar experience today after I chanted my first round, Hare Krishna. I just decided to stop there. And for some reason, I started thinking about the Korean flag, right? I said, why does it look that way, right? Because it's got yin yang, right? Right. And then I looked it up and you could actually meditate on the Korean flag. Did you know that? I'm serious. <laughs> if you look at it, it's supposed to them, it's the I, the I Ching, right? Uh-huh. That whole flag is about the I Ching. But they say the white background sim- symbolizes uh, purity. Peace of purity, goodness. yeah. Yeah. So, but we can say, okay, the white background is the mode of goodness, right? Okay. And then the yin-yang is the mode of passion and ignorance, <laughs> kind of locked together, right? And then the other black bars, I said... That's the first thing that made me think about it. I said, what are those black bars? It's three, but split up different ways. What well, turns out the upper left is heaven. Okay, so that's Krishna. Lower right is earth. That's us, <laughs> right? And then the other two represent uh, water and fire. So however you want to look at that. But they, they have the most spiritual flag I think I've ever seen. I haven't <laughs> studied the flag of India yet, but is it the, even that spiritual? The flag of India has a chakra, right? Yeah. Okay. Well, that. Yeah. I guess you could meditate endlessly on the chakra. What's the What's the symbolism of uh, the uh, Indian flag, uh, Raghunandan Prabhu? <laughs> three colors ref- represent the three religious religious faiths. Green is for the oh. Islam. White is for oh. the Christians, and the saffron is for Hinduism and Buddhism. Oh wow! Uh huh. Yeah. And then, the, what is the chakra in the middle? Chakra is basically the represents dharma and it's from uh, Ashoka's uh, 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 reign, re- uh-huh. rainy reign. So, so that that represents the chakra. Very good. So okay. it is very spiritual. And then, then of course, there was the flag on Arjuna's chariot. What was that? Anuman. Anuman. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Yes. And uh, there's these beautiful flags that go on, if we're talking about flags, on the top of the Jagannath Puri temple. You can even buy them once they're like considered prasad. And they're, they're, they're very long. Yeah, like that. Okay. Uh, any other thoughts on, the, uh, on this point about um, other religions having Shastra, etc.? Well, you know, I think that, you know, if we're followers of Srila Prabhupada and studying his books that I think it would 
um, that he that he wants us to be um, inclusive, you know, by the way that he talks about the other religions, right? Is that isn't that what we're being taught? Um, well, certainly these purports that I just read give that impression. Yes, yes. Thank you, Henry. But he even <laughs> said that uh, Krishna consciousness is not a religion. Well, yeah. now we're talking about semantics sometimes. Yeah, yeah but it's important. Yeah. Yeah. Right. I okay. mean, sometimes, you know, in a general sense, when someone say, what, what religion are you? One time he said Krishnite <laughs> uh, or Gaudiya Vaishnava. But yes, in the sense of, um, yes, he called it Sanatan Dharma. Yes, in, in other places. Yes, yes, exactly. To add to that, to add yeah. what Henry said, um, it seems like Prabhupada is writing this purport at, as an inclusivist. The, the whole term inclusivist seems to include exclusive. In other words, the way you described it, uh, I accept all these uh, different faiths as religious, but uh, my preference is um, this path. It seems like um, Prabhupada, fully realized as he is, is presenting these uh, different shastras, but, but he's also, as uh, Henry was saying, or, I, or what I was getting from what Henry was saying is that he's, of course, all of our, uh, he's, he's presenting the Vedic conclusion that uh, Krishna stu Bhagavan Svayam um, and that uh, these other paths, no matter that they're Shastric in nature, they're not going to get a practitioner to uh, Goloka Vrindavan, they're going to, you know, it's kind of like in my very, very limited intelligence, it's kind of like uh, that verse, Yanti Deva Rita Devan, but, you know, of course, Prabhupada is not talking about the demigods or the Pitras by pointing out the different uh, Shastric literatures of other faiths. But he is also, we have to understand in context that uh, his conclusion and our conclusion as followers of Prabhupada is that uh, Krishna's to Bhagavan Swayam, or, you know, there's nothing, nothing higher or more sublime than this, this philosophy, and that others, others present only part for. Uh, yeah. Got it. Yes. So, of course, we don't know. Krishna can do with other people as he likes. It's up to him. <laughs> uh, other others of his devotees, and others, of course, will say that we're we ours is much better than Krishna consciousness, and it brings you to a higher level. So, how do we deal in a world that has that understanding? I think they're incorrect whenever they say that. Because Prabhupada is not saying that uh, I can bring you to a higher level. He just said, I know a way that works, right? By discipline su succession. You may have another way, but I know a way that I know works. I'm not saying it's better. It's just, I know it works. 
That's I a nice that's way to say it. It's, yeah. not, it's not a competition. It's, it's just a, yeah. Sorry, go ahead. Yeah, that it's not a competition. I mean, I, that's a nice way to put it, Andy. Um, yeah. Uh, I mean, I was just, you know, reading, I was just looking this up. And so exclusivist religions teach that theirs is the only way to salvation and to religious truth. And some of them would even argue that it is necessary to suppress the falsehoods taught by other religions. Some Protestant sects argue fiercely against Roman Catholicism. And fundamentalist Christians of all kinds teach that religious practices of those of um of those of other religions are bogus, you know, um, that was a paraphrase, but yeah. So, so even, so even Protestants think that the Catholic church is just out to lunch and the Catholic church thinks the Protestants that missed, you know, they're not in disciplic succession. Right. It's a very interesting uh, uh, path of discussion uh, because of if, if I'm, if I'm saying I'm inclusivist, and I, I use your description, which was uh, interesting to me. I, I haven't heard of this exclusive and inclusive uh, description oh. before, but it makes perfect sense. But if I'm an inclusivist, and according to your description, I'm, I'm rephrasing, all of these paths are bona fide. No, 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 that's a pluralist. The inclusivists say that there are some bona fide paths to, there are a number of bona fide paths to God that are sincerely practicing spirituality. But I find that, that the path that I'm following is the best, at least for me. At least for me. The pluralist, the pluralist is saying whatever. And the exclusivists so, say we're right and everyone else is wrong. Right. But doesn't the inclusivist have to have some kind of, hmm, some elements of exclusivity in, included in that. They it's, might, but at least not in their communication with others. In their heart of hearts, they that's might. That's a very good point. As, as I think devotees are like that. You know, yeah. Right, but in, a, in my own spiritual practice, I can't extend myself. Like, like, for example, we don't you know, recommend that all devotees sit down and study others, other shastras or, you know, um, you know, study. Oh, we have enough to keep us busy. Prabhupada's books, right. Well, Prabhupada did. That's true. But, uh, you know, we, it's, it depends on what kind of, uh, what our services. If we're uh, preachers, even Prabhupada told Rabindu Surupabu, you can have in the devotee libraries all of Sankaracharya's writings. Yeah, and he also, at different points, as you well know, counseled devotees very strongly against uh, indulging in reading other literatures, um, especially, yeah. Well, it's true that he, and yes, it was just interesting that he said different things at different times. So let's move on, because otherwise we'll be on one verse <laughs> all day. Okay, so verse, uh, we're going up to verse 23. <clears throat> so 21. Sukadeva Goswami continued, My dear king, after hearing the instructions of Narada, the Haryashvas, the sons of Prajapati Daksha, were firmly convinced. They all believed in his instructions and reached the same conclusion. Having accepted, accepted him as their spiritual master, they circumambulated that great sage, 
and follow the path by which one never returns to this world. The seven musical notes, Sarimaga, Sarigamapadani, are used in musical instruments, but originally they come from the Samaveda. The great sage Narada vibrates sounds describing the pastimes of the Supreme Lord. By such transcendental vibrations such as Hare he fixes his mind at the lotus feet of the Lord. Thus he directly perceives Rishikesh, the master of the senses. After delivering the Haryashvas, Narada Muni continued traveling throughout the planetary systems. His mind always fixed at the lotus feet of the Lord. The Haryashvas, the sons of Prajapati Daksha, were very well-behaved and cultured sons. But unfortunately, because of the instructions of Narada Muni, they deviated from the order of their father. When Daksha heard this news, which was brought to him by Narada Muni, he, became, he began to lament. Although he was the father of such good sons, he had lost them all. Certainly this was lamentable. And towards the end of the purport, Shri Prabhupada writes, A materialistic father and mother want to engage their sons in begetting children, striving for improved economic conditions, and riding a material exist- uh, materialistic life. They are, not, they are not unhappy when their children become spoiled, useless citizens, but they lament when they join the Krishna conscious movement to achieve the ultimate goal of life. This animosity between parents and the Krishna conscious movement has existed since time immemorial. Even Narada Muni was condemned not to speak of others. Nonetheless, Narada Muni never gives up his mission. So the parent-child relationships can be uh, what word am I looking for? Complicated. It's a good word. Parent-child relationships can be can be complicated. So, what are some uh, parent-child relationships that we study in the Shastra or from our our history? Rupa Goswami and Sanatan Goswami. They are brothers, right? Yeah, but they had didn't. But their parents didn't want them, or they didn't. Whoever didn't want them to go and become Krishnas. Right? Somebody didn't want him to go and become Krishna. Okay. I don't right? remember that, but I'll take the word for it. Hare Krishna. Yeah, who else? Yes, Prabhu. Uh, Dhruv Maharaj, Prahlad Maharaj. Okay, so Dhruv Maharaj. Now, he had a very nice relationship with his mother, right? And, uh, and a little more distance with his father, although his father regretted what he had done and a not very good relationship with his stepmother, <laughs> right? But, but a very, very tight relationship with his mom. And then Prahlad Maharaj, um, we don't hear that much, right? But you mentioned, but we hear that, you know, she was in the ashram and was hearing the Bhagavatam class every day when, when Prahlad was in her womb. And although it didn't register so perfectly with her, it totally registered with Pilad, right? Other examples, others. Kapila Muni and Devoti. Ah, that's also a very good one, right? She became a disciple. Yeah, what else? Lord Brahma and the four Kumaras. Lord Brahma and the four Kumaras, okay. Prachin Bari and Prachetas. What's that? Prachin Bari, the father and the Prachetas. 
Ah, Pachini Bharti in the particular. Yeah, he was doing yagyas and they were doing meditation. Yeah, yeah, and they became, uh, yeah, yeah. Very good. Rishabdev and his hundred sons led by Bharat Maharaj. Rishabdev and his hundred sons, including Bharat Maharaj. Yes, and they were, um, they were good sons, right? They were quite obedient. And not all of them were pure devotees. Nine of them were? Or was it? Okay. Uh, and um, what about Krishna and Mother Yashoda? Yeah, that's what I was going to say. Oh, yeah, okay. Go ahead say what's the obvious one? Yes. Raised by his adoptive mother, and we're always looking at it from the, but from the point of view of the mother, she was very sad to see her son have to go out and do all these things. You know, <laughs> right, kind of lost him. Yeah, <laughs> and and she would chastise him, you know, but but always loved him. Here's an interesting. What about uh, Sati and Daksha? Right, that wasn't yep. that yep. wasn't such a uh, great relationship. Similarly, what did you say? I was saying similarly means in the next part, uh, Parvati and uh, Himalayas had the same relationship. Ah, yeah. Okay. So and Su- who was uh, Sukadev Goswami's father? Vyasadev. Vyasadev. That was an interesting one, right? He just took off and Vyasadev said, wait, 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 wait. Rok, rok, rok. Come back. <laughs> How did he get him to come back? By selecting some verses from Canto 10 of Srimad Bhagavatam describing Krishna. Yes, yes. So, so some of them were very sweet relationships. Others were, others encouraged someone practically to commit suicide in Sati's uh, uh, situation. And here we're seeing how people, how uh, all these sons of Daksha just neglected their father's instructions. Right? Prabhupada had a very sweet relationship with his father. And Srila Bhakti Siddhanta Sarasati Thakur, of course, had a wonderful relationship with his father. Srila Bhakti Vinod Thakur. We're so, leaving, leaving out a very important one on his uh, victory day, Lord Ram and his father. Ah, uh, yes, yes, Lord Ram and his father, yes. And Ram was such a devoted son Right, and Daswara practically died because of you know, uh, because of his love for his son. Yes. So, uh, um, oh, who was Priyabrata's father? So that was interesting, also, right? He actually ended up following his father's instructions instead of Narada's. That's also interesting, isn't it? The the in that situation um the appeal was to a higher authority lord brahma and narda lost you could say that 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 argument so to speak but but the other one of the wonderful things about that is it says that he was happy to lose he was happy to follow lord brahma's instructions right what about what about vasudev and vasudev Vasudev and Vasudev, okay, yes, yes. And then Krishna and Nanda Baba. Krishna and Nanda Baba, yeah, very sweet relationship. You have that, we all have that picture of uh, Krishna in our minds, Krishna carrying Nanda Baba's shoes on his head and practically not being able to lift them. <laughs> right. Ram and Janame Jaya. 
Yeah. So there's uh, so there's so many, right? I mean, it's 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 a but it, as we can see in this pastime, uh, it can be complicated. It can be tricky. What do you think that makes uh, parent-child relationships tricky? It's the um, me and mine conception, basically. Oh, my child belongs to me. Mm. But if the conception is centered on Krishna, then that relationship takes on a different dimension. Nice. Nice. Yes. We, we and when, Go ahead. And when children <clears throat> start expecting more freedom or they think that... Uh, basically, it applies to all living entities, but in between parent and child relationship and child wants to be more independent totally and wants to make his own decisions. It gets tricky. Mm. Yeah. So we learned this, if you may remember way back in the first canto, 13th chapter, that um, the instruction is there that uh, trying to remember the instruction, but the, the, the parents attachment for uh, being the main, the maintainer's attachment is stronger than the maintained attract attachment, right? And uh, again, it was Nardamuni who had to uh, correct Yudhisthira when he was so upset. Oh, what did I do? I offended my my uncle Tridharastra. I offended Gandhari. Now they've left. And Narada said, "No, you know, one who's in the uh, in the grips of the snake of death cannot uh, save one from those similar, you know." And so he's basically saying that you're in Maya if you think you're the maintainer of them instead of Krishna being the maintainer. Because uh, earlier in the chapter, Dhritarashtra was kind of happy on being maintained by the Pandavas. It's all nice. And Vidura had to get on his, you know, chastise him. No, 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 no. This is not right. So, uh, yes. I have another one of your hand up. Yes, Prabhu. Um, it also reminded me of the pastime in Chaitanya Charitamrita where Chaitanya Mahaprabhu asks Mukunda about Raghunandan Thakur. Who is the fa real father here? Ah, yes, beautiful. Right, because he was more advanced, right? Yeah. So yes, it, it, because of the attachment, um, because of the... Sometimes, uh, well, we're going to talk about this in a later purport, so I'll get to that then, but just just to touch, just to mention it now. Um, there, in, in most cultures of the world, there's a consideration of you owe a debt to your parents, right? Okay, so let's move on, and we're going up to, well, actually, we're actually going to read quite a few verses up into 36, okay? So... Put it on your seatbelts for the next 13 verses. When Prajapati Daksa was lamenting for his lost children, Lord Brahma pacified him with instructions, and thereafter Daksha begot 1,000 more children in the womb of his wife Panchajani. This time, the sons were known as Savalasvas. Savalasvas. So Lord Brahma got involved again, right? In accordance with their father's order to beget children, the second group of sons also went to Narayanasaras, the same place where their brothers had previously attained perfection by following the instructions of Narada. Undertaking great vows of austerity, the Savalasvas remained at that holy place. At Narayanasaras, the second group of sons performed penances in the same way as the first. They bathed in the holy water, and by its touch, all the dirty material desires in their hearts were cleansed away. 
A murmured mantra is beginning with Omkar and underwent a severe course of austerities. For a few months, the sons of Pratapati Daksha drank only water and ate only air. They un- thus undergoing great austerities, they recited this mantra, quote, let us offer our respectful obeisances unto Narayan, the Supreme Personality of Godhead, who is always situated in his transcendental abode. Since he is the Supreme Person, Paramahansa, let us offer our respectful obeisances unto him, end quote. 29. O King Parikshit, Narada Muni approached these sons, here he goes again, it's like a repeat, approached these sons of Prajapati Daksha, who were engaged in Tapasya to beget children, and spoke enigmatic words to them, just as he had spoken to their elder brothers. O sons of Daksha, please hear my words of instruction attentively. You were all very affectionate to your older brothers, the Haryashvas. Therefore, you should follow their path. A brother aware of the principles of religion follows in the footsteps of his elder brothers. Because of being highly elevated, such a pious brother gets the opportunity to associate and enjoy the demigods, enjoy with demigods like the Maruts, who are all affectionate to their brothers. So, you know, sometimes we do this, you know, we, we find ways to preach and we, you know, because one, he could have just said, no, you, should, you shouldn't follow your brothers, you should follow your fathers, but. He's trying to get a certain point across, so he's emphasizing a certain point. <laughs> Sukadev Goswami continued, O best of the advanced Aryans, after saying this much to the this much to the sons of Prajapati Daksha Narada Muni, whose merciful glance never goes in vain, left as he had planned. The sons of Daksha follow their elder brothers. Not attempting to produce children, they engage themselves in Krishna consciousness. The Savalasvas took to the correct path, which is obtainable by a mode of life meant to achieve devotional service or the mercy of the Supreme Personality of Godhead. Like knights that have gone to the West, they have not returned even until now. At this time, Prajapati Daksha observed many inauspicious signs, and he heard from various sources his second group of sons, the Savalasvas, had followed the path of their elder brothers in accordance with the instructions of who? Narada. When he heard that the Savalasvas uh, had also left this world to engage in devotional service, Daksha was angry at Narada, and he almost fainted due to lamentation. It's not easy to beget thousands of children, right? When Daksha met Narada, Nar- Daksha's lips were trembling in anger, and he spoke as follows. Prajapati Daksha said, Alas, Narada Muni, you wear the dress of a saintly person, but you are not actually a saint. Indeed, although I am now in Grihasta life, I am a saintly person. By showing my sons the path of renunciation, you have done me an abominable injustice. And in the purport, Srila Prabhupada writes the second, uh, well, pretty, yeah, second sentence. In society, one will find many sannyasis, vanaprastas, grihastas, and brahmacharis. But if all of them properly live in accordance with their duties, they are understood to be sadhus. Prajapati Jaksha was certainly a sadhu because he had executed such great austerities uh, that the Supreme Personality of God and Lord Vishnu had appeared before him. Nevertheless, he had a fault-finding mentality. He improperly thought Narada Muni was to be an asadhu, asadhu or non-saintly because Narada had foiled his intentions. Desiring to train his sons to become grihastas, fully equipped with knowledge, Daksha had sent them to ex- execute austerities by Narayana Saras, 
Narnamuni, however, taking advantage of their highly elevated position in austerity, instructed them to become Vaishnavas in the renounced order. This is the duty of Narnamuni and his followers. They must show everyone the path of renouncing this material world and returning back home, back to Godhead. For Dabadi Daksha, however, could not see the exaltedness of the duties Narnamuni performed in relation to his sons. Unable to appreciate Narnamuni's behavior, Daksha accused Narada of being a sadhu. <clears throat> so, uh, Daksha got Lord Vishnu's darshan, right? And he got the instructions to populate the world. Um, now, Daksha, um, you know, he had some choices, right? He, he chose to, and of course, this is all Leela. Also, it's also pastimes and um, different wonderful things come out of this, like Narada Muni is always traveling and et cetera. But um, what are some, you know, he could have, you know, expressed, gone to Narada and said, Narada, uh, you know, what gives? <laughs> I know you're doing your duty, but I got an instruction from Lord Vishnu. How can we work this out? <laughs> right? Um, but instead of doing that, he, he, he got angry and ultimately cursed Narada Muni. And you could say that he had some justification in doing so because, you know, you get an instruction from the Lord himself and then someone um, puts some obstacles in the path of following, uh, following that order. Then, you, you know, you could understand why someone would be upset because, you know, the service to the Lord is, is a devotee's life and soul. And Prajapati Daksha is a sadhu, but he also had, as Prabhupada writes here, a fault-finding mentality. And we know from our various readings uh, up until this canto that Daksha sometimes finds himself in some hot water, as we say. So, uh, but, you know, if we put ourselves in his shoes, we can understand the angst. What, you know, a devotee takes the instructions of the spiritual master or the or the guru as their life and soul. And then there's obstacles to carrying that out. And it's like, what, you know, what gives? I, I'm totally bona fide here. I got the instructions from Lord Vishnu himself. <clears throat> um, still, we all have choices when we're faced with a, as the various situations that happen in our life. And Daksha could have chosen another approach instead of just getting angry and then um, not seeing things through the eyes of Narada Muni. Right? So Narada Muni, may, I, I, I'm, you know, whether he knew or not, let's just assume that he knew that Daksha had this instruction. Uh, Narada Muni still might have thought, yeah, okay, he may have had that instruction. There's other ways to populate the world. But the goal of this entire world is to give people a chance to go back home, back to Godhead. And these, they're performing all these austerities, but for the wrong reason. So let me connect them with the right reason so that they can all go back home, back to Godhead. So that was Narada Muni's point of view. Um, so Daksha, you know, and Daksha figured it out. He, right, <laughs> we're going to find out in later uh, verses that he said, okay, well, listen, there's a problem here with having sons. I'm going to have daughters, and, and through the daughters populate, populate this world. So he still found out a way to follow Lord Vishnu's instructions. 
Um, <laughs> but he did have some pride and some of a fault finding mentality. So the instruction for us is that even when we think we're in the right, we can take a pause, look at the situation, think of it from other points of views, think of how, what reaction would be most pleasing to my spiritual master and to Krishna. And it might not be the reaction that is our knee-jerk reaction, our immediate reaction. So some thoughts on this. So this, Shira Prabhupada refers in the purport as how, you know, <clears throat> the parents of the disciples, you know, people who take to Krishna consciousness, they have that initial feeling against the movement and then afterwards they do uh, understand then they kind of like you know come along so this continues and in the puranas there is also some description i just wanted to share for daksha is since he had offended his daughter it was through the daughters that he would be <clears throat> able to provide his service so there's some reference given because sati uh -huh. had yeah so so you yeah. see there's a there's a that's a nice point because in other words there was stuff going on in the background and sometimes we also do that. We react to something without knowing the whole story. Yes. So he got salvation, attained perfection because his, he had daughters who actually, and then he maintained a great, wonderful relationship with his daughters. Nice. Yes. Another thought. Someone else was wanted to say something. Can I just interject? Of course. You can say I it. Think you have to interject. Well, no, it's so funny. It's so hilarious. I have another longer point, but this one is what... This is an example of a Vedic insult, right? You, sir, are no saint. Boy, what a low blow that is. <laughs> Think about that. <laughs> he literally well, said you are not a saint. Yeah. Yeah. You're asadu. Asadu. Yeah. What's your other point? Uh, uh, well, just how it kind of justifies... This weird, uh, it's like the Lord works in mysterious ways. This weird tradition that only males should be, should take to uh, whatever you call it, real yes. discipleship or whatever. But if only because that's the case did this whole Lila work out, right? That he found the re his real true mission was to produce women uh, to populate, not yeah. men. So, But it only worked because for that reason. Right. That was part of the mechanism. Yeah. But I was thinking like, yeah, but in this world and probably back then, it wasn't hard to find some men who would marry the women and ha happily have tons of kids. <laughs> no, I'm not saying it's, it's an eternal thing. It's, it's a tradition. But it, at that time, that it served a very useful purpose. This whole thing came together only because of that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Otherwise, all you would have sent out his daughters and the same thing would have happened, right? <laughs> yeah, right. Raghunanam <laughs> Uh, yes, Prabhu. Um, it reminded me of uh, uh, one point that uh, Rompal Swami Maharaj was making in last Sunday's class to our DC congregation. It, it was related to Ramayana and the Dashara. So the topic was like may, the victory of the Supreme Lord. So all the living entities coming together to glorify the Supreme Lord. So that is the victory of the Supreme Lord where here in these two incidents, like one from the Daksha's perspective and Narada Muni's perspective, Narada Muni was like focused on 
delivering those souls and glorifying the supreme lord in that process and whereas daksha's service was more in the terms of uh, a materialistic uh, service rather than a higher spiritual purpose mm. nice thank you very good there's so many lessons in the in the in, in the bhagavatam you know if we if we just do some thoughtfulness that we can apply to our you know so called modern life right um i say so called because i remember you know i've been using the word modern since 1976 when i joined krishna conscious of modern uh, keeps meaning different decades <laughs> okay so um let us continue then so now we're going up to oh just the next verse yeah prajapati daksha said my sons were not at all freed from their three debts indeed they did not properly consider their obligations o nardamuni o person personality of sinful action ouch you talk about you're not a sadhu now he said personality of sinful actions andy you have obstructed their progress towards good fortune in this world and the next because they are still indebted to the saintly persons the demigods and their father and prabhupada writes at the last paragraph everyone is indebted to the demigods to living entities in general to his family to the pitas and so on because if one fully surrenders to uh, but if one fully surrenders to krishna mukunda who can give one liberation even if one performs no yagnas one is freed from all debts even if one does not repay his debts he is freed from all debts if he renounces the material world for the sake of the supreme personality of god whose lotus feet are the shelter of everyone this is the verdict of the shastra therefore narmuni has completely was completely right in instructing the sons of prajapati daksha to renounce his material world immediately and take shelter of the supreme personality of god unfortunately prajapati daksha the father of the haryashvas and savalasvas did not understand so he didn't take the time to put him to empathize with narmuni to use modern parlance um he did not understand the great service rendered by narmuni daksha therefore addressed him as papa the personality of simple activities and asadu and non-saintly person since narmuni was a great saint and vaishnava he tolerated all such accusations from prajapati daksha He merely performed his duty as a Vaishnava by delivering all the sons of Prajapati Daksha, enabling them to return home, return home back to Godhead. So, in the Vedic times, and even to some extent in its own in lesser way today, this idea of debt was important. So, you know, leaving aside Krishna consciousness, but just the Vedic culture. it was clear that you had these debts that you had to repay you know it's whether they took from to the pitas to the forefathers whether they to the demigods um to one's parents etc one it, it was it was in that in that culture it was a given and 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 we shouldn't think the culture was just krishna conscious so the average person they understood that debt the rarity was that someone actually became a devotee and therefore was freed as prophet we just read freed from that um that debt 
But, you know, to the demigods, the forefathers, there was all these yagnas and different things that one had to do to become free. Now, today, um, it depends on the culture. In, in the culture that I was born into, the uh, Jewish culture, there was very much a strong sense of indebtedness to one's parents. And one had to pay it by, uh, well, this may not be the nicest way to put it, but by being someone that their parents can brag about. So I think I, I, I often joke, but it's not much of a joke that, you know, I had two choices basically when I grew up, either to be a doctor or a lawyer. Those were the two. Dentist was okay, I guess, also. But that was very much, you know, coming from, um, we weren't wealthy, but living in a very wealthy town in New York, which was 75% Jewish. Um, <clears throat> My son, the doctor. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. So it's kind of funny that my son married a doctor. Now I can tell my brother, listen, my daughter-in-law, the doctor. Um, but, but I think in a lot of faiths, there's, there's some, there's a lot of cultures in the world. There's still some, this idea of some indebtedness, at least to one's, to one's parents. And the parents, you know, kind of expect, you know, sometimes they, you know, we, as much as we say the mother's love is the closest thing to unalloyed love, sometimes the parents will think, listen, I, 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 I you know, uh, I take, took care of him when he was a baby and, and, you know, send him off to school and fed him every day and paid for college. You know, when am I going to get some, you know, you know, when, when are they going to start scratching my back? <laughs> so to speak. So, so this idea of indebtedness, it, it can also be, of course, the way I just explained it, maybe not be the purest thing in the world, but it, it's, a, it's a pious uh, concept in a lot of ways, that one is not just, uh, who gives a damn about what my parents did, you know, just going to... And that was very much, you know, the way Prabhupada noticed in America, especially with hippies who you know, kind of rejected their parents and just went off and did things, especially where Prabhupada was staying in Haight-Ashbury and places like that. Um, but it, it's pious, but it's not on the level at all, as we're seeing here in this purport, of spirituality. And that actually when one takes to Krishna consciousness, the debts are wiped out. Because one's actually, you know, because uh, those debts are in this world, and one is focusing on leaving this world and attaining spiritual world hmm. so uh but you know you'll still see even in devotee houses uh i see like when i visit them in india there's you know because it's part of the culture there'll be a, a picture of their parents even if they're long deceased there'll be a picture of their parents uh somewhere on the wall usually right like that some appreciation for for one's parents so some thoughts on debted, um, indebtedness? Hare Krishna. So yes. I, I have one god brother. He, um, he lives, uh, he's a native of uh, uh, Bengal and he joined uh, the movement very early but because his father who was a big business magnate uh, uh, died and left his family with mounds of debt. So 
he's he's very active in uh, book distribution in India, <clears throat> but at the same time, he has so much responsibility. Uh, he's trying to get his father's name cleared, and that takes up like ninety percent of his energies. Uh, it's 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 not not something to feel sorry for. It's just a fact of. It yeah. just is a the situation. Yes, and I know that devotee quite very well. Oh, yeah. Yes. Uh-huh. Other thoughts on debts and, and non-debtedness by taking the Krishna consciousness? And what about, I mean, for some of us, I don't know if anyone on this call, um, our parents were not very happy when we became devotees. I know that's also true in India a lot, um, especially if one becomes a brahmachari. Um, and my mother certainly wasn't happy at all. So this, the, I was, I was reading, I read these, uh, this past time when I was thinking of dropping out of school and moving into the ashram. And it gave me some inspiration to, to do that at the time. Even though I knew that my mother would be very, 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 very upset. I mean, like incredibly upset. And my brother would think I'm totally nuts. Um, I still did it. <laughs> Other thoughts? So, Prabhu, Prabhu yes. I have a few thoughts about this subject. So, on one side, like, we have to understand, like, directly what you are, we are reading, that there should be no debts if one takes full shelter, full surrender. And at the same time, <clears throat> you know, as per the teachings of Lord Chaitanya, you know, Jeevadaya, um, Vaishnav Seva, Namruchi. So, Jeevadaya, kindness to all living entities. I mean, not just all other entities except your own family. So, if we, we have to be kind to our own family also, which includes, you know, parents and, you know, who have raised us, our teachers and everybody. So, very, if, you know, if you think about it very closely, not, I mean, that's a very big umbrella topic of debt. Like, in what manner are we understanding it do we owe them something we need to take care of them till whenever or just being kind you know like sometimes devotees just cut off they don't see they take to the brahmachari ashram or whatever ashram you know and the kind of not in contact that's being very unkind too i mean that's how i think so yeah, if we are really following the philosophy we can be kind to our own parents and not really be cut off from them. No, we could certainly be kind. Uh, absolutely. Um, and you know, of course, you know better than a lot of people that uh, like Mother Ramburu, she's an older Prabhupada disciple. She could be out preaching and doing, but she's taking care of her elderly mother, I believe it is. Um, and Prabhupada had, uh, when Brahmananda Prabhu and Gargamoni Prabhu um, got initiated and their mother came to the initiation problem, but had them bow down to their parents and touch her feet. Right. Uh, and, and so that's definitely there. And Krishna consciousness is so important that if, if parents are putting up a big obstacle, then a devotee may have to make some hard choices of, um, of not giving up their Krishna consciousness. Um, I, yes, I, if I had, if I have one of my regrets in life is the way I treated my mother the first year that I became a devotee. We didn't talk for a year and, you know, 
she was all alone. My brother was already, you know, married, not married. Yeah, married. No, but it was off, not, you know, so she was on her own. And I didn't, you know, so uh, I tried to make up for it by having her live with me in her last years in Vrindavan. And I took care of her at that time. And uh, and I would visit her every year in America when I was living in India. But uh, that I do regret that. But I don't regret dropping out of school and moving into the ashram. Um, I don't regret that. <laughs> Just that my communications might have been a little better. You know, and, and Krishna had it all worked out. I got a master's degree without having a bachelor's degree <laughs> in the end. Okay, anything so else? When we look at, uh, so Prabhu, when we look at how Narad Muni gave the direction to Daksha's sons, you know, directly showing them the path to the way they went, he could have easily told them that live a Krishna conscious life and take care of your family, take care of your father and all, uh, being kind and compassionate, yet it was entirely different way they went. So that is where, you know, we need to really think about this, how we, because sometimes our, yes, like what you were saying, we have to be careful that it should not take away, take us away from path of bhakti. Right. Right. So it's, it's, you know, it's, it's all time, place and circumstance. And obviously the time, place and circumstance back then was very different than today. So we can just take the, uh, the principle, the principle of Krishna consciousness being the, the greatest need of the day for ourselves and for all others. And at the same time, trying not to upset people whenever possible. Can I say one quick thing? Sure. I think this subject is so gigantic, this conundrum that you need an hour and a half on just this subject to even scratch the surface. Mm. Because like Jesus was very strict about this. And he said, he said, you want to go here? He said, uh, because I have to go and help uh, go to my dad's funeral. And he said, let the dead bury their dead. Right. You know, I'm life. That's death. Right. So, but the question of how to pay this, I think the dead is real, but it's actually owed to Krishna. But how to pay back? Is it by slapping your parents in the face? I don't think so. But it's a huge conundrum. It's a huge. It's a huge conundrum, and uh, it's or it's a huge topic, and we we don't want to forget the urgency of Krishna consciousness, right? You know, because uh, uh, as people, many people today, right, they'll say things like, "If Jesus walked into a lot of churches today, he wouldn't rec- they wouldn't recognize him, and he wouldn't recognize them as followers." They'd right. have them thrown out. They'd have them yeah, thrown out. Yeah, they'd have them thrown out, yeah. Yeah, yeah. and so we don't want that in, in ISKCON, that we don't recognize it uh, anymore, Prabhupada or Narada Muni's um, emphasis on the on the absolute seriousness and urgency, in one sense, of Krishna consciousness, right? Um, and especially as ISKCON has moved out of the ashrams into the congregation more, um, we don't want to lose that, that, that sannyas mood amongst our, you know, some of our devotees. So it's, it's a, it, you're, like you said, it's a whole discussion. Right. But we don't want to just say, yeah, just take care of your parents. You can become Christian conscious later. That wasn't Narada Muni's message. It wasn't Prabhupada's message. So we do have some strong, you know, like you said, Lord Jesus had very strong words, right? Sometimes. <laughs> and it is sad that uh, he, he might be kicked out of a lot of churches. 
say, right? Yeah. Okay. Shall we carry on? Uh, let us move on to the next verse we're going to cover, which is 39, which only two verses later. So 38. Pradhapati Daksha continued, thus committing violence against other living entities and yet claiming to be an associate of Lord Vishnu, you are defaming the Supreme Personality of Godhead. Wow. You needlessly created a mentality of renunciation in innocent boys, and therefore you are shameless and devoid of compassion. How could you travel with the personal associates of the Supreme Lord? Text 39. All the devotees of the Lord but you <laughs> are very kind to the conditioned souls and are eager to benefit others. Although you wear the dress of a devotee, you create enmity with people who are not who are not your enemies. Or you break friendship and create enmity between friends. So they weren't they weren't always enemies. Uh, are you not ashamed of posing as a devotee while performing these abominable actions? Prabhupada writes that in India, the caste brahmanas have become enemies of the Krishna conscious moon because we elevate foreigners who are supposed to be malechas and yavanas to the position of prominence. We train them in austerities and penances and recognize them as brahmanas by rewarding them sacred threads. Thus, the caste brahmanas of India are very displeased with our activities in the Western world. A little later, nevertheless, as stated in the Shastras, a devotee should be both tolerant and merciful. Devotees engaged in preaching should be prepared to be accused by ignorant persons, and yet they must be very merciful to the fallen conditioned souls. And then the last paragraph. In this verse, the word suridagnam, uh, a breaker of friendship, is used. Because Narada Muni and the members of his sibling succession disrupt friendships and family life. You see, we do it sometimes. They are sometimes accused of being surida ganam, is that right? Uh, creators of enmity between relatives. Actually, such devotees are friends of every living entity, surida sarva bhutanam. But they are misunderstood by their, to be enemies. Preaching can be a difficult, thankless task. But a preacher must follow the orders of the Supreme Lord and be unafraid of materialistic persons. So Prabhupada did things that will be upsetting to some. And yet, what can we do? The perfect example, I don't know if anyone saw this and I'm not expecting you to do it. There was a 20-minute show, I don't know on which TV channel, in India recently, uh, very upset and speaking very badly about the recent Baltimore Ratiatra. All the way in India, they're complaining about Ratiatra in Baltimore. And their point is, and if anyone's been following this for some years now, uh, Ratiatra um, is supposed to be on a certain titi, on a certain uh, time. It's not, you know, like, like you know, if we, if we, from their point of view, it's like, you know, we, Janmastami in spring, Right from their point of view, but Srila Prabhupada, you know, when he came to the West and he had rathiyatras all over the place, any time of the year, just giving people darshan of of um, of Lord Jagannath, and uh, you know, he considered it was one of his big ways of transporting Krishna consciousness to the West. So we're not going to, you know, now some some temples in India, the Indian leaders are thinking, well, maybe you know, for having good relations with the Puri Pandas, Pandits, uh, we should just do our Rathiatras in India um, on the same day. 
but I doubt that will ever happen in, in America. As we know, anyone who knows, you know, uh, the, it goes, you know, the, the Roth, we don't have unlimited Roth carts and we have the same Roth cart go different weeks to different places. So we're probably not going to change that. I, I very doubt even despite the uh, concerns, we're not going to change it. Just like Prabhupada didn't say, okay, well, you're upset that I'm giving out sacred threads to Westerners. All right, I'll stop doing it. <laughs> but he, uh, he, he did it. And, and, you know, he got, I'm sure, and he got criticized for that as we are getting criticized now for Rafiatra, even though it's interesting that it's only been a few years since they protested. We've been doing Rafiatras in the West since uh, what year was that? 1970. You know, the first one in San Francisco, but uh, it's interesting. Any thoughts? Well, the, um, I, the golden age of the North American Rathiatra, is, is that over maybe? Uh, you know, because, the, I mean, imagine just the last 25 years of Rathiatras, how incredibly powerful they've been. And so many people saw the Rothkart. So many people took prashadam. So many people had the opportunity to see their lordships out of the temple. People in Santa Monica, people on Fifth Avenue, people in Toronto. It's just an amazing thing. You know, I just... I, I'm so glad I got to participate in those, and, I, and I'll miss them, and I hope they come back. I hope they come back. I'm sure they'll come back once COVID, uh, once there's a vaccine and all that. Yeah, but uh, I don't think they'll stop because of uh, the concerns in Puri. But, it's, but it, is, uh, it is just an example of the Acharyas. The Acharyas sometimes doing things that not everyone's going to like, but they do it. Why did, why did Prabhupada, what, what is he did he say, oh, let me see, let me figure out a way that I can really upset those people in Puri. <laughs> that was the last thing on his mind. He's just trying to give people Krishna consciousness. And it's interesting because uh, my wife and I uh, both kind of got interested in Krishna consciousness because of New York Rathiatra. She had just arrived from Ireland and was uh, taking a day trip into New York City and just happened to walk past the Rathiatra. And then a, a very nice devotee named uh, Mahendrani Mataji uh, met her, got her uh, email, ad no, there's no email in those days, got her address and uh, started sending her prasadam. And all because she had seen Lord Jagannath and then she became a devotee because Mahendrani cultivated her Krishna consciousness from Rathiatra. And the only time I saw Srila Prabhupada was 1976 at the New York Rathiatra. And uh, I had just, you know, uh, that when I was, I was reading a little bit about Krishna consciousness before that, but what really changed everything was when I saw the Rathkart and saw Srila Prabhupada. So it's, it's a powerful thing. And my son, well, this year, I guess, well, no, they didn't have it this year. My son's 29 and he's never missed a New York Rathiatra in his life from the day he was, from the time he was born. So, uh I guess there's some connection in my family in New York Rathiatra. <laughs> yeah. Okay, let us carry on. And we are going up to 43. Oops, so uh, that was... Okay, so 40. Prajapati Daksha continued. If you think that simply awakening the sense of renunciation will detach one from the material world, I must say that unless full knowledge is awakened, Simply changing dresses, as you have done, cannot possibly bring detachment. Material enjoyment is indeed the cause of all unhappiness. 
but one cannot give it up unless one has personally experienced of how much of how much suffering it is. Therefore, one should be allowed to remain in so-called material enjoyment while simultaneously advancing in knowledge to experience the misery of this false material happiness. Then, without help from others, one will find material enjoyment detestable. Those whose minds are changed by others do not become as renounced as those who have personal experience. And in the purport, Prabhupada talks about, um, I think it's in this purport, you know, the first class person can learn by hearing and others have to learn by experiencing. And we could have, I think we, maybe it was this class or maybe in the Bhagavad Gita class, Bhakti Shastri class last week, we talked about this. Daksha is right on a certain level that experience um, makes quite an impression on the mind, but a very intelligent person uh, can learn by hearing. It's not that you have to experience every misery in life, you know, to uh, become a devotee. And then text 40, although two, although I live in household life with my wife and children, I honestly follow the Vedic injunctions by engaging in fruitive activities to enjoy life without sinful reactions. So that's the Vedic process. Karma Kandik. I have performed all kinds of yagnas, including Deva Yagna, Rishi Yagna, Pritri Yagna, and Nrid Yagna. Because these yagnas are called bratas, vows, I am known as Griha Brata. Unfortunately, you have given me great displeasure by misguiding my sons for no reason to the path of renunciation. This can be tolerated once. <laughs> You have made me lose my sons once, and now you have again done the same inauspicious thing. Therefore, you are a rascal who does not know how to behave towards others. You may travel all over the universe, but I curse you to have no residence anywhere. And in the pur- towards the end of the purport, Prabhupada gives a very, um, what's the word, endearing uh, personal autobiographical comment. In the Parampara system from Narada Muni, I have also been cursed. Although I have many centers that would be suitable places of residence, I cannot stay anywhere, for I have been cursed by the parents of my young disciples. Since the Krishna Conscious Movement was started, I have traveled all over the world two, to th- two or three times a year, and although I am provided comfortable places to stay wherever I go, I cannot stay anywhere for more than three days or a week. I do not mind this curse by the parents of my disciples, But now it is necessary that I stay in one place to finish another task, this translation of Srimad Bhagavatam. If my young disciples, especially those who have taken sannyas, take charge of traveling all over the world, it may be possible for me to transfer the curse of the parents to these young preachers. Then I will sit, then I may sit down conveniently in one place. Another work of translation. Isn't that wonderful? (laughs) The way he wrote that. Yeah. So, um, and he certainly has passed that curse down to many of the disciples, except they're not doing it during uh, COVID-19. But I know um, at least two, uh, uh, I won't mention the name, but uh, one one sannyasi who uh, was such a frequent flyer that they they noticed that uh, he was on the list of, of uh passengers one day and then and but he was late so they held the plane for him <laughs> because Very he was <laughs> such a 
<laughs> Such a well-known frequent flyer. <laughs> this was in Australia. So. <laughs> Airways, I believe. What's that? I believe it was British Airways. Uh, maybe, maybe, yeah. So uh, amazing, huh? Yeah, he was the most frequent flyer in the world's largest airline. <laughs> so Prabhupada did pass that curse on to us. Um, and but let's what examples? So here is an example, a clear example. Prabhupada in his own life, and certainly Narada Muni in his life. Can we think of any other examples of when a curse is actually a benediction? Or you can give an example from your own life when a reverse, a seeming reverse, turned into a benediction. One example from the scripture is uh, the sons of Kuvera being cursed by Narada Muni. Mm. It was actually a benediction because they came face to face with the Supreme Lord and got delivered by him. Wonderful example, yes. Others? Nanimuki, you must have some, or Suganda, or Shushil. King Indra, King Indra Jimna cursed to become Gajendra. King Indra? Indra Jimna cursed to become Gajendra. Who was cursed to become Gajendra? Indra Jimna. Ah, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, very good. Yes, yeah. Wonderful. Beautiful. King Chitraketu cursed by Goddess Parvati. Huh? Yeah, yeah. He was traveling on the plane and he accepted it. He accepted he it, yes. Narayana Parasave, yes. He accepted it so wonderfully. And then what was the benediction for him? He became Vritrasura, right? And went back to Godhead very quickly. Yeah. Yes, yes. Yeah. Yes, so now the, the challenge, of course, in life, let's say we don't get curse, curse, you know, we maybe we do. Um, is when we have reverses to, as the first knee-jerk reaction is, what is Krishna, how is, how is there a silver lining here? Right? It's just like, um, so I think I told you my, my son's mother-in-law, she's just leaving this world any day now. Um, stage four cancer. And it's very difficult, but she is in such good consciousness. And she has 150 devotees uh, every day having kirtan for her on Zoom. And uh, she's just, you know, because she, she sent us a WhatsApp message, uh, a voice message a few days ago to my wife and I, just saying her goodbyes. And in such a sober way, you know, um, and, and you know, of course, it's a terrible thing for the family. Mother dies. She's not old. She's probably late 40s, early 50s. Um, but the benediction is unbelievable. She's, you know, very senior devotees are, are are communicating with her and um and she's in just actually very very impressive krishna consciousness so she might leave you know even tomorrow so you know you know how devotees you know we it's clear from bhagavad gita that it doesn't matter when a devotee leaves this world right we what which chapter is that we said whether it's in light or in darkness you know that's for the yogi but not for the devotee. Suganda, you can tell us which chapter that's in. Um, but at the same time, you know, we have this sentiment, oh, well, they passed away there, they passed away. So I wrote to, I wrote to uh, my son today, and please tell everyone there, you know, that uh, tomorrow Kartik begins. 
you know, we get, in Prabhupada writes very clearly that you can begin Kartik either on the Ikadasi or the Pranima. And interestingly, Prabhupada himself started on the Ikadasi. Um, so, so I said, you know, if you're thinking that she should leave in an auspicious month, so even if she leaves the next, tomorrow or the next day, that will be, uh, Kartik. And, and of course, the auspicious time. So a lot, I, I just found that it's in the Srimad Bhagavatam that Prabhupada says that, um, I can, just in case you're interested, not that, not that there's anything wrong with, uh, doing it on Pranima, by the way. Um, I'll read it to you because this was something that I was talking to the devotees about. If it pops up on my screen soon. Uh, the chapter, this is, uh, the chapter Masya period begins in the month of Ashadha, June, July, from the day of Akadasi, called Sayana Akadasi, in the fortnight of the waxing moon. The period ends in the month of Kartik on the Akadasi day, known as Utana Akadasi, in the fortnight of the waxing moon. This four-month period is known as Chaturmasya. Some Vaishnavas also observe it from the full moon day of Asadha until the full moon day of Kartik. This is also a period of four months. And then I saw that 1972 when Prabhupada um, did Kartik Brat in Vrindavan, he started on the Kadasi. So I'm not trying to confuse anyone or anything. You, this is nothing wrong at all. So Purnima to Purnima is, is the general way we do things. But I just mentioned that uh, um, mainly I was mentioning, I was just a side note. I was just glorifying how a tragedy a devotee can see the silver lining. Any, anyone else have an experience like that or, or experience from the Shastra? Anyway, I'm sure we all have have had experiences like that. But usually we don't see the we don't see the mercy of Krishna until hindsight later on. Instead of right during the moment. Okay. Uh, oh thank you, Sudanda. Uh, the pure devotee in Krishna consciousness, there's no fear of returning whether he leaves the body in auspicious and inauspicious by accident or arrangement. In Bhagavad Gita 8.24. There's also a verse that talks about the, the leaving on uh, six months of this and the six months of that. But for a devotee, it doesn't matter. Is that the 17th chapter? Or is that the... Gosh, um, I'm thinking it's 17, but I'm not sure why I'm thinking that. Okay, let us uh, continue. But that's a great quote, Sudanda. Thank you so much for that. So, um, let's try to finish this chapter. We're going up to the next verse, 44. Sri Sukadeva Goswami continued, My dear king, since Narada Muni is an approved saintly person, when cursed by Prajapati Daksha, he replied, Tadbhadam, yes, what you have said is good. I accept the curse. He could have cursed Prajapati Daksha in return, but because he is a tolerant and merciful sadhu, he took no action. Similar to Brikshit Maharaj, right? He accepted the curse. He could have, he could have counteracted it. Now, this uh, last purport, uh, last paragraph is really, makes a very important point for us in our, again, in our day-to-day lives. Uh, 
Now, it may be asked why Narada Muni stayed in the presence, presence of Prajapati Daksha and tolerated all these accusations and curses. Was that for Daksha's deliverance? The answer is yes. Srila Vishwanath Chakravarti Thakur says that after being insulted by Prajapati Daksha, Narada Muni should have left immediately, but he purposely stayed to hear all Daksha's strong words so that Daksha might be relieved of his anger. Daksha was not an ordinary man. He had accumulated the results of many pious activities. Therefore, Narada Muni expected that after delivering his curse, Daksha, satisfied and freed from anger, would repent his behavior and thus get a chance to become a Vaishnava and be delivered. So why do I, you know, this is so important in my, in my service, and I think it's important in all of our lives, that sometimes when someone is upset, angry, anxiety-ridden, fearful, if they can talk to someone, if they can talk to us and we become a good listener and we let them vent, it, it really helps people often, not every time, but often, generally, um, clear their head and, and, and even start seeing things more clearly. And Prabhupada wrote this in a letter that I've read to you at least two or three times over the course of this long course to Balavanta Prabhu, and he, he's talking about how Lord Chaitanya listened to Sagavoma Bhattacharya for seven days, Krishna listened to Arjuna in the first and the beginning of the second chapter of the Gita, even though he was speaking from a lower level of understanding, not from the level of the soul. So listening is part of our tradition, and it's a great way to uh, make friends. It's a great way to uh, allow people to be a friend to another devotee when they're upset about something. It's a wonderful way for them to start, you know, letting off some steam, and then they can see things more clearly. It's a great way to preach to, to, to listen to others before we, you know, just, you know, um, present Krishna consciousness. So listening is so powerful and a perfect example here of Narada Muni doing that. Perfect example. Uh, some thoughts? I think when, if you accept a curse like they did in this correct way, it's almost like patting yourself on the back because you know they're cursing you for a noble activity. And you say, okay, give me the curse. I know it won't hurt. <laughs> right. Well, yes. And certainly in Chitraketus, he was like, I'm innocent. Now, Prichit Maharaj, he, the curse didn't match the seriousness of the infraction. Yet it was also arranged by the Supreme Lord, you know, because Prichit Maharaj, you know, is such a great devotee and he just, Krishna arranged for it so that Kali Yuga could begin, so that the Bhagavatam could be heard. You know, so many Prichamaraj could be uh, glorified as such a great devotee that he just didn't eat or drink for seven days and just heard the Bhagavatam. So, yes. So, but look at how immediate his realization was. Ah, Tadbadam, okay. This, like, like, you know, unfortunately, I know for me and maybe some of us, we, we see Krishna's mercy in 2020 hindsight. And we don't always react in the um, immediately in the right way. Take some time. Hare Krishna Prabhu. Yes. So, uh, to not react in adverse situations, you know, here the situation is Narad Muni, is being, he's a Muni and he's being cursed and, you know, he's so tolerant and probably, I mean, he is spiritually very, very strong. So, um, so we as aspiring devotees and we hear about 
uh, we read such pastimes and we are also made aware now about uh, how to avoid offenses and there are weaknesses in the heart and all these things uh, yes we we exercise tolerance uh, mostly i have seen where we think we can have some control on situation and often we do end up in situations also where either we are in forgetfulness of all the good teachings or you know we put teachings on the side we deal with the situation and eventually we come around how we could have responded rather than reacted yeah that's so, the reality so that's why we have to keep on listening keep on hearing yeah, yeah. Uh, practice makes perfect yeah Okay. Well, we finished this chapter. Good. The next chapter, as I said, hopefully you've already done the homework, but you got it so late. I would just ask you to, you know, go through the translations. And then we will start next week on chapters 12, uh, verses 12, 15, and 22 of the seventh chapter. And we're definitely getting, uh, going through this, uh, this canto of the Bhagavatam. So thank you very much for being here again this week and we will see you all next week. I think you know that the out the outdoor uh, activities up to Sarah have been canceled due to the weather. Just look out the window, except for Jay. Jay wouldn't be able to see out the window and notice. <laughs> he probably has the same kind of weather in England though. <laughs> Actually, it's a very beautiful day today. Oh, I wish you could send it our way. <laughs> Anyway, I, you know, again, silver lining. I was, you know, if, if a lot of people had come to the Desera Festival, maybe it would have been hard to keep social distancing. I don't know. So, you know, maybe there's, you know, although they were going to make sure everyone wore a mask, everyone social distanced, there was, you know, all these rules. But still, who knows, maybe Krishna just protected his devotees. So, so do you have a time change next year? Um, yes, yeah, time year. change next week. So that makes it tricky. It's at two in the morning. So I think what we will we'll do is we'll just we'll follow whatever. Yes. So set your clocks. Uh, what is it? Spring forward, fall back. Okay. Set your clocks back an hour uh, in order to be on time for class. So just only the simple thing for us is just look at your phone. So <laughs> it'll be the same time difference starting next week, Jay, for you. Yeah, I didn't realize it this week. And I was like, oh, missed the whole saga. Yeah. Uh, yeah, uh, it was funny. I was talking to my son who lives in England, and uh, I said, now, you know, we're only four hours different for the next six days. <laughs> then we go back to the five hours. Okay, Prabhu's Hare Krishna. Hare Krishna. Hare Krishna. Thank you. Happy Dasara. Happy Dasara. Thank you, Nandi Mukhi, for coming all the way from New Jersey. <laughs> Hare Krishna. Thank you. Thank you.